Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. We've had 35 resurrections of the dead. The closer they are to freshly dead, the easier they are to resurrect. So I see this giant angel and I asked him his name. It's a financial company. And I realized this angel is here for our finances. And that's a true literal story, by the way. These people are charlatans. And it's about time we draw a line in the sand and stop fraternizing with the wolves. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Like a blind knife that finds a squirrel in the shed twice a day, this is Wretched Radio Noom. If you haven't seen their commercials, it is the latest diet and anxiety helper trend. These are folks who want to help people and they have actually stumbled on to a little bit of truth that I think many of us fail to remember regularly when we are battling issues. I'm talking about how we're thinking, how we're feeling, how we're acting. So let's, ouch, this hurts. So let's learn a lesson from Noom, who said, the battle for weight is a battle of the mind. I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically the gist of it. Any Bible verses come to mind? Most certainly they do for me, not about dieting, but about the mind, that it is a battle zone, not only in unbelievers, but also inside of us. We have built up strongholds. We have fortresses built around our bad thinking, and it is sometimes difficult to get it untrenched. I'm not sure that my military metaphor worked out completely there, but the point is we think very poorly regularly because of the noetic effect of the fall and because we're failing to remember the biblical key. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why Noom is actually right in this instance. It is a battle in the mind. Let's consider one subject to demonstrate how our minds are indeed a battlefield that we need to engage in. We need to go to war. We need to work synergistically with the Holy Spirit in order to overcome, well, pretty much everything. When you're informed wrongly, your emotions will perform wrongly. We need to get our thinking under control. A book entitled Eating Disorders, Hope for Hungering Souls by Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw is a biblical counselor who is probably the foremost expert on issues like self-injury, self-harm. In fact, I've got that booklet from him, Hope and Help for Self-Injurers and Cutters. This book deals with eating disorders. And I think what you're going to hear regularly is like, hey, Noom, you tripped onto a nugget of truth. And it's the very same nugget you and I need to trip on. I'm not sure that illustration worked either, but I think you get the point. From Mark Shaw's books, contrary to popular belief, eating disorders are not diseases. They are learned behaviors which by the grace of God can be unlearned. The good news is if you have an eating issue, an anger problem, anxiety, concern, a phobia, it's most likely something that you've let get into your thinking 
that you've probably cultivated to a degree, and it's just bearing fruit of the seeds that the world plants. We've got to uproot them. We've got to tear down the strongholds. Now, that was an agricultural and military metaphor mushed into one. Not many Christian radio programs can do that. Frio, there would be a reason. We need to get the bad thoughts out and the good thoughts in. And these days, I got to tell you, a lot of people are having bad thoughts about their bodies. Was just watching Road Trip to Truth Season 3. That's right. Seasons 1 and Seasons 2 are available. We are in production on Season 3. And we did tackle the subject of social media. And we went out to the campuses to ask the students if they believe that social media plays any sort of role in different issues of the day. And one of them was about body image. And this was one of those questions. Sometimes when you ask the kids, you kind of get the three blink stare, which is the international sign for, I don't know the answer to this question. I'm not even sure I know what you're talking about. But on this one, they 100%, absolutely. Social media affects body image issues. Totally, yeah, oh, completely. Why? Because we see images. Those are seeds being planted into your brain that say, that's how you're supposed to look. And it's not just the Goyles these days that are feeling that pressure. These learned behaviors can be unlearned. The key to freedom from all life-dominating sin. Did you catch that? If you've got a life-dominating sin, you are about to hear the key from a guy who counsels a lot of people. Now, this includes anorexia, bulimia, But here it is, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where the battleground is, in your inner person, not the external stuff. That's why we reject secular lingo to describe and define our issues. We use biblical language to understand what is going on. Mark Shaw writes this. Change does not occur by being passive. Letting go and letting God is a nice idea. It's got a shred of truth in it, of course, but it's not found in Scripture. Instead, Philippians 2 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Now, wait a second. Is it me or is it God? Yes, both. It's work. It's labor. It's effort. And if you struggle with an eating issue, whatever whatever one it happens to be, and there are a myriad of issues with food, it really isn't about your stomach. It's really not about your mouth and tastes and flavors, as wonderful as they can be, assuming, of course, your smell has recovered from COVID. Not that I'm bitter about it or anything. Thanks for not being able to smell, Dr. Fauci. Got to blame somebody for this. It's your brain. That's where the battleground is. It's in your brain. So before you get tempted by whatever the issue is, we've got to go to work on our noggins with God. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, empowering us to do it, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. As a Christian, Struggling with what is called an eating disorder, you can apply these verses to your life, carving out time in your schedule too. Here it. How did we get away from this? How did we abandon the basics? Uh, you know, maybe it's like a football team. 
maybe it's it, you, you run the plays. You figured out the plays that work. You run them. But then you get bored with them. Or maybe the opposition catches on to your tactics. So you think you need to add a little razzle-dazzle. A little bit of sizzle. What happens? You get so far away from the basics, the fundamental plays that used to bring you victory. You you just become an absolute loser. Now you look, woo, those trick plays, they're something else, but you're not winning any games. I think that's pretty analogous to what we've done inside of the church. We've gotten away from the basics. Why why do we turn church into a frankly a Mickey Mouse club so often when we need to be doing these things people and churches are hurting this is an issue that i do believe should cause righteous indignation in so many of us when we see what is going on in these silly centers and the ridiculous can't even call it preaching speaking that some guy does on a platform it should cause us to be grieved because people are hurting the remember the guy who puts spit all over the other guy's face okay people don't need that I don't care if you're in Tulsa or Tupelo. We got people who are hurting. What are the basics? Here they are. Pray. Study the word. Have an accountability partner. And somebody, in other words, to disciple you. Attend corporate worship services. Serve the local church in some capacity. These are not passive activities. They are active And it is the only way that we will experience transformation. Why? What do these things have in common? We're not thinking about social media. We're thinking about God. We are not looking at images of beautiful people. We are staring at the correctly understood most beautiful one, Jesus Christ, who, by the way, for the record, according to Isaiah, was not a handsome man so that people weren't attracted to him for his looks. Isn't that funny? The world says, looks, looks, because it does attract. Jesus wasn't attractive by worldly standards. And yet people were attracted to him. Why? Because of his character, how he behaved, how he treated people, how he acted, how he spoke. And how he thought, if you are struggling with a life-dominating sin, Hebrews would call it a besetting sin, get back to the basics. Isn't is Haven't we seen those movies before? The new coach comes in. We're going back to the basics, people. There's a reason for that. And I think right now the church and perhaps you need to do that. If you are weary from struggling, weary from losing, you'd like to see victories, you want to uproot bad thinking, tear down them walls, you need the word. And you need to work at it, and you will increasingly see transformation. This is Wretched Radio. Don't tell me you couldn't use a little encouraging news. This is from Paul Marty. He is the executive director of the Tomorrow Club's Kids Clubs, meeting all throughout Eastern Europe to bring empowerment. 
impoverished nations and families the gospel. You know, most Tomorrow Clubs work in former communist communities where we find so many kids and families living hopeless lives. But with the help of the wretched audience, we've been able to bring the gospel, hope, and long-term discipleship to thousands of kids in these forsaken communities. Praise God for that. Would you please consider joining our effort to reach these kids and their families to strengthen local churches in Eastern Europe? $30 a month, 30 disciples. It is an outstandingly efficient gospel-centered ministries. Please prayerfully consider supporting your own Tomorrow Club. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. It's New Year's resolution time. But before you make yours, I have a different type of challenge for you. How about instead of resolving to be a better person this year, you instead commit to leaving a legacy for Christ. And one surefire way you can do just that is by becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner. Currently, Wretched Radio and TV is seen and heard on nearly 1,000 stations combined worldwide. The second season of Road Trip to Truth has just been released with season three in production, solving the God puzzle on its way to one million copies distributed and transformed. Our latest TV series highlighting biblical counseling is set to debut later this year. We're striving to reach people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we're only able to do that with the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider joining us? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. Wretched.org slash donate. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's healthcare bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Books of the Bible The book of Micah contains prophecies against the kingdoms of Judah and Israel. Micah warns of God's judgment for idolatry and oppressing the poor, but he offers hope of salvation in the coming Messiah, who is a shepherd, a judge, and a ruler. Those whom God has saved are charged to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with their God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. So you want to be set free, do you? This is Wretched Radio. Don't know if I've mentioned this in the last five minutes, but we're producing a brand new TV series titled Transformed. Of course, we are using a form of the word that pops out to us in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, that we are to be transformed. How does that happen? The renewing of our minds. It is a TV series where you will see biblical counseling in action. Biblical counseling applied to real people. And I'm telling you, this show, it truly is groundbreaking Christian TV. I was just reviewing an episode 
of a woman who was willing to come into counseling. She went to church, eh, spotty perhaps, in her attendance. Super nice lady who, once she got the kids out the door and put on the bus, she'd light up a big old doobie. And that's how her day would begin. She was dominated by a besetting sin. What is the besetting sin? We have a tendency to say, well, it was smoking pot. No, that's not her besetting sin. That's a manifestation of what is going on inside of the heart. And you will see these people go through biblical counseling and you will start to pick up on what it is all about. Because remember, biblical and Christian counseling are radically different. The Bible is the sole source of guidance in biblical counseling. And so it identifies somebody who is relying on pot to see you've got yourself a worship disorder. When you and I place our trust in something, when you and I run to something besides God to find our comfort, we're worshiping that thing. And, and so if you're smoking pot regularly to kind of escape, to feel better, to let the problems of the day go away, or it's alcohol, you've got a worship disorder. You're worshiping Jack Daniels and not Jesus. Thank you. I wrote that. But that's it. That's what's going on. We need to let the Bible define our thinking and our issues and our struggles. And when we do, that is when victory begins. There was another episode that I was watching of Transformed. This young lady was very, she wasn't treated great as a child. She was, she was bullied. And so she looks at herself in the mirror and she hears the voices of the people saying, you're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not whatever the current trend is enough. And she bought it. And so she's unhappy. And Dr. Gifford, in sitting with her, said, may I ask you the question, who gave you the authority to be the judge about what is beautiful? Why do you get to decide? That's a powerful question. And it applies to every realm of sin, doesn't it? Whatever it is that you're struggling with, who, who, who told you or did you tell yourself that this was the best way to live? Who made you the judge? It is time to get out of the driver's seat, not even scoot over and ride shotgun, but to get in the back seat and let the Lord command our lives and change our thinking. A book titled Eating Disorders, Hope for Hungering Souls, has a chapter on definitions. Beauty. In today's world, beauty is primarily about appearance. It's a goal, something a person strives to achieve or possess. It can be expensive, a God requiring the sacrifice of obscene amounts of time and money before delivering. And how does your God do? That was another question that Dr. Gifford, I think, asked the young lady who was struggling with pot and with alcohol, How, how's your God doing? And she knew, and she was so willing to be transparent. And by the way, can't wait to show you this. She's doing great today. She hasn't been touching the stuff. She's going to church. She's reading her Bible. She is working with God to counteract the lies in her brain. 
the world says in order for you to be beautiful, you need to look like whoever the hot actress is today. And I don't know because Jimmy, I don't Has it hit you yet where you just don't have any idea who's famous anymore? You're the most famous person I know. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't have a clue. I don't know who any of these people are. I couldn't watch an award show. What movie is that? Who's she? I have no idea who these people are. But whoever it is who's the it girl, you might look at that and say, yeah, that's that's what it means to be beautiful. And who told you this? Go find the Bible verse that says beauty is all about body fat, curves, presentation, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you do your hair. None of it can be found in the Bible. In God's word, beauty is more about attitude than appearance. Physical beauty is shown as the cheap substitute for what God considers true unfading beauty. While physical beauty concerns itself with capturing another's heart. (laughs) That's interesting. That's a motive worth exploring. Biblical beauty is more about capturing your own heart in reverence to the Lord. Unlike the world's beauty, the beauty that God cares about comes from a beautiful heart that fears him. A woman with imperishable beauty is a gentle quiet, spirited one, which is in God's sight, very precious. There it is. The war of worldviews when it comes to outer appearance. The world says it's the externals. God says, no, it's not. It's the internals. And those internals then work their way out, which means you don't become a frumpy dumpy. Well, you know, I just have a gentle and quiet spirit. And what happens on the outside is irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. We, we, we should adorn our bodies, have some self-presentation, but not self-obsession. And not with the motivation that this is what makes me really precious in the eyes of whom? Well, it's only in the world. God does not look at beautiful people and go, yeah, yeah, I like that one. I'm pleased with that one. See that woman? That skinny woman? Yeah, that's the woman I like. The, the, the buff dude? He's the one I like. That's not how God thinks. It's the internals. So what do you need to do to change your mind about this? You need to change your mind. Now you say, that sounds awfully simplistic. Well, apparently not to Noom. <laughs> they know it. In fact, isn't when you think about it, isn't that the first step in a 12-step program? You need to change your mind about stuff that you can't do it. It's like you're, you're done. You need you need somebody to pump into you because you've been doing a terrible job at running your life. That's, that's a whiff, a hint of biblical truth. In this particular book by Mark Shaw called Eating Disorders, you can find it Focus Publishing. Oh, yeah, they sent me a bunch of this. <laughs> I like booklets, don't you? Meatier than an article, but it's not quite the commitment of a book. He has a, an appendix. Not, not. I don't know if he has his actual appendix or not, but there's an appendix in the back of the book. Is this where they go when they get removed to the back? of Worldly words versus God's word. So this, these will be words that you hear and go, oh, I know what that is. But God goes, no. That's not what it is. So, for instance, 
addiction. We hear that constantly. God's word says, nope, that's enslaving desire. Do you feel the difference? Oh, I just have no power over at the bottle. It just has me. No, it doesn't. You're, you're a slave to a bottle of hooch. You're a slave and it's gotcha and it's winning. Redefine it and find victory. Binging, the Bible would say, no, that's gluttony. Depression, we hear that word, of course, get tossed about constantly these days, depressed about everything. No, it's despair. And that's an important word because despair means you don't have what? Hope. It doesn't mean you have some bug inside of you that causes you to be bummed out. It means that you're not hoping right. Eating disorder, Bible would call it poor stewardship. The world would say you're sexy. God's word would say you're a harlot. Oof. Oh, that would be your Proverbs 5, 1 through 6 and Proverbs 7. That, that might change what you put on this morning, wouldn't it? When you see it in biblical terms, we're independent, says the world. No, you're rebellious, says God. We're just, I'm kind of insecure. No, you have a fear of man. Well, sometimes, sure, I manipulate. No, you deceive. You, I, popularity. Mm. We, all, we, all, we all need to be liked, don't we? That's called self-worship. You think that you're a rebel? No, the Bible says you're a fool. I've got lots of self-esteem. No, you have boatloads of pride. I think we get the point, courtesy of Mark Shaw. We need to redefine the terms, the way that we view things, and start thinking the way that God does. And I'm telling you, get on this path, stay on it, labor to move forward, and you will see transformation. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Public school? Oh, public school, the bane of modern society. You need proof? Well, I've got a little bit for you today. From Oregon First comes the story of an elementary school that has announced the launch of a new Q and Sexuality Alliance Club, with the Q obviously being the same Q and LGBTQ, and it's fully written and fully spoken within this club, but personally, as I've said here before, I can't bring myself to say that word, so therefore it will remain Q for the purposes of these newscasts. Back to the story, this new school club in Oregon promises to have conversations about identity, gender, equal rights, and social issues, while at the same time exploring LGBTQ activism, all with elementary-aged children, because it's so important to have these conversations with elementary-aged children. That is, if you're intent on brainwashing them with your propaganda. Look, I have an elementary age child right now. I've raised two others. These aren't the things they're wondering about at that age. Trust me, my wife and I are doing the best we can to keep our fourth grader from eating mud or leaving and losing all of his pullovers and jackets. They're not talking about LGBTQ rights and issues. Not by a long shot. 
How about another example? I like to avoid gendered language. My students really like guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Imagine putting your child in the care and influence of this lady six or seven hours a day. Or how about this lady here who seems even more dangerous than the first? If that's even possible. Did you know that young children can totally understand race and racism? In other words... It's never too early to start brainwashing them. And in Michigan, at least one school, they're being proactive and they're preparing for all students who identify as cats. That at least one of our schools in our town has a, in one of the unisex bathrooms, a litter box for the kids that identify as cats. Oh, and there are so many more stories and so many more sound bites. But I think you get the point. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Parents, there has never been a more appropriate time to consider home schooling your child. And it seems every day that a new company feels the need to let the entire world know how woke they've decided to become. As such is the case with M&M's. The company has publicly announced a redesign of their candy characters that they use in all of their marketing campaigns, complete with photos of the newly designed characters. Ironically, the new characters are identical to the old characters. So what's different? Well, I can only imagine that it will be the verbiage that's used in all the ad campaigns going forward, which should be fun to watch and explain to your kids. I really don't understand this. Look, people really do not care about your politics. Just sell candy. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. A good shepherd protects directs, provides, and cares for his sheep. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. No one can snatch them out of his hand. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The craziest thing happened to me. Friel, we don't doubt it. This is Wretched Radio, a Saturday night. It might be all right for a fight, but it was a great night for a wedding. And I had the chance to go to a wedding. And I have to confess to you, I really dig weddings. Not because it's like watching a Hallmark movie, but because a wedding that has Jesus Christ at the center, it is a magnificent thing. How kind is God to not just, and believe me, it's it's a big thing, to not Just give us his word as our great heritage. That's plenty. But he also gives us a tangible way to actually tactily experience the gospel. Not mystically, no ums, no yoga, no mindlessness. When we take communion, it's a, this is going on. And you're thinking about what Jesus Christ did for you. When you watch a baptism, it is a physical presentation of the gospel for your eyes to actually visualize it. How kind is God? And I think a wedding does that very same thing. And it was such a delight to be there. It was a young couple, of course. The sermon was gospel-centered, but then the strangest thing happened. The best man got up to give a toast. And he preached the gospel. Wow, that's fascinating. He said, 
I, I'm, I would like to present to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been asked to do that on behalf of the bride and groom because they want more than anything else today for everybody in this room to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did preach the gospel. That's beautiful. And when, when you're seeing a man and a woman come together in holy matrimony, where two become one, that's a picture of the gospel. Now, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because if we wanted to really do this in a, in, a, in a biblical illusion kind of way, today we have the bride walking down the aisle. That's how we did it, probably how you did it. Really, it should be the groom coming down the aisle to get his bride because that's the picture of the gospel, that Jesus Christ, the groom, is coming to get his bride, the church, that is the gospel. And by, by the way, I got to tell you, this lovely young couple, very godly, but the dude almost lost it. I'll just tell you, he just, he just about, I could tell he, everybody's getting marched in. You know how weddings go. The adult, the parents on this side, that side. And by the way, does that still, ex are you supposed to do sides anymore? Is that like an unviolatable law? I think that's changed like pretty much everything else these days when it comes to weddings. This was very traditional. And in came the parents. They sat down on each side and then came the groomsmen with the with the maids of honor. And then she came in. The curtain was opened and resplendently enters. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching the groom who was struggling even when the parents came in. But when she came in, you could you could physically see that he was so moved by this day. I remember that feeling quite vividly. Thank you very much. I thought I was actually going to asphyxiate. No, is asphyxiate <laughs> like where you just you get too much breathing going on? Hyperventilate. That's the one right there. Hyperventilate. That was going to be me. I was like. Freel, get this under control. What is the matter with you? When I saw my bride coming down the aisle, <laughs> wow. And this young couple did just that and said to the world, this is what the gospel looks like. But then another unusual thing happened at this particular wedding. If, that's, if that weren't enough, the pastor, before addressing the bride and groom, Address the parents. And it wasn't a drive-by. It was probably three minutes, if I had to guess, maybe five minutes, to the parents. You need to recognize this new union is a brand new union that is no longer the union that you ha used to have with them. That union with your child is broken. Now, obviously, they're still your child. But that same relationship is now gone. It's different. This is a new unit. This is a new family. And while it is very difficult to do this, you need to let them be a family, which means you can't be giving them your wisdom all the time, especially uninvited. I mean, you can, but you're, 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 you don't have that parental authority anymore, and you need to even let them make mistakes. 
So I'd like to ask the parents to stand up right now and take a vow. What is going on at this wedding? And he asked them to take a vow, basically stating, Lord, I promise to mind my beeswax. And I promise to not be overbearing. Okay, those weren't the words used, but that's basically the import of it. You got to let them be. Interestingly enough, that became a topic of conversation at our table. The idea of letting your kids go, it, it ain't easy. If you're young and your parents are perhaps feeling a bit mm, controlling, a little too in your in your mess, up your grill, um, please understand there's a reason for that. And the reason is they have invested their lives in you. You have become a part of them. Their world is not operated in a vacuum when you were born. Suddenly, I've got, I've got really big, important considerations that I love to think about because I love them so much. And, and your parents have been doing that for 16, 18, 20 years. That's not easy to stop being a parent. It's not easy. Maybe you're an adult child who is married and your parents still have a tendency to kind of stick their noses into your beeswax. I'm not sure where that saying came from. Freely, you just made it up. Understand there's a reason for it. And this pastor, okay, it happened to be my pastor, identified that parents have a challenge when their when their kids get married. And so they took a vow. Mom, dad, maybe you need to take that vow too. Maybe, just maybe, you would do well to analyze, are we really letting our kids be adults? Are we letting them be a family unit? A man shall leave his father and mother. They cleave. In other words, they cut off and then they stick together. That's the, that's the unit now. That's the covenant unit. Of course, you're always in a relationship with your kids. But the dynamic changes. Have, have, have you changed it? It's not easy. I'm telling you. Personally, I find it one of the most difficult things in the world. Because you just... You think you know better. <laughs> Most times you do. <laughs> That's the truth of it. But not always. And you need to remember that that little unit, which is covenanted together, is loved by God. And sometimes you just need to let them stumble. Purchase, purchase the wrong car. Let their kids maybe do something that you don't think is ideal. Got to let them be. Because otherwise... We're really intruding into a covenant where we don't have authority. And we know how annoying that is, don't we? When the government intrudes into the authority of the church, we don't like that. Well, kids are the same way. They don't like it when we intrude into their little covenant relationship. I, I can't recall if, if we mentioned this last week, perhaps, on Wretched Radio, Thinking about multi-generational homes. Jimmy, did we talk about that last week? Because uh, we, we used to. Glad you remember. We <laughs> used to, in our old neighborhood, we had multi-generational families. I think we did talk about this. Wow. Anybody else with short attention span issues? Yeah, maybe I was paying attention to somebody else. I can't imagine. <laughs> 
and we and, and people used to make fun of it oh all the cars out in the driveway all those people coming and going all the time and i thought that's a beautiful thing actually and and the reason i think that is because kids are such a part of the parents life and i would imagine that the dynamic inside of that unit it needs to change also because if you got grandparents parents and the kids even in that lovely dynamic, I do believe there needs to be some leaving and cleaving, not just on the part of the kids, but on part of the parents who recognize they've left us. They've gone to another. And by the way, hasn't that kind of been your mission to get them to be living the gospel with somebody of the opposite gender? Isn't that what we want for our kids? Maybe just maybe today you need to take a vow and let your children be adults in a one flesh relationship that is a beautiful picture of the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. Good news, there are actually thousands of pastors in Germany. The bad news is they're not very equipped. Theological training in Germany and in Europe is so needed because you don't really get any formal training, not in a church or anywhere else. Being at a TMAI training center, probably the first time that you ever get any formal training, how to understand scripture, the church, and how to apply it in your own life. Germany is not the only nation that has a drought of qualified pastors, but the Masters Academy International is changing that one country at a time, currently in 17 nations, with many seminaries with graduates from the master seminary training indigenous men to rightly divide the word of truth would you please consider adopting your own seminary in one of 17 nations please visit wretched.org pastor wretched.org pastor wretched.org pastor Thanks for joining us on Wretched Radio today. Question, do you ever sit back and reflect on what your life was like 5, 10, 15, even 20 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah, me neither. There's too much going on in the present to waste time reflecting on the past. And that, unfortunately, is the mindset of culture today. Of course, it's actually beneficial to reflect on the past, especially past episodes of Wretched TV and radio, which can be found organized nice and neat at wretched.org. You'll also find over 40 amazing resources in the Wretched store, which coincidentally were all produced and written in the past. Imagine that. You can learn in the present from things produced in the past. And thanks to the ongoing support of our gospel partners, we have been able to continue talking about the greatest event that ever happened in the past, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sure would love and cherish your prayers and support as we use the things of the past to affect lives in the present and future. So if any of this made any sense to you whatsoever, visit us online right now at wretched.org slash donate. Permit me to introduce you to Brie and Salvation Dominoes Preborn Style. When one person gets saved, they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them. And then it's just this domino effect. Brie currently volunteers at a preborn life center. How did she get saved? From a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, 
a preborn life center. Why? Because preborn, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Names of God We learn a lot about God from the names given to Him in Scripture. The first name given to God is Elohim in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is a plural noun, but the verb created is singular. God is plural in personhood, but singular in being. The Creator God is the triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You are going to have a chance to practice what I'm about to preach. Friel, it sounds thrilling. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, Let me set the table and then see if you're willing to consume it. Don't know if you saw this in the Twitter sphere. I do not play there just because I'm not a techno guy. I know a lot of people do. I know that it can be beneficial. But wow. Can tweet wars ever disrupt quickly? And I don't know if you saw this one. I think it happened about three, four days ago. Oh, the way that one fellow was talking about another group of fellows. Oh, I mean, eyebrow singeing. Oh, and it was, by the way, it was it was over all of the, the, the critical theory business what's going on in the churches, et cetera, systemic racism, privilege, intersectionality, all of that. And I I was sent it by a buddy of mine. And I just I was dismayed at the way that this brother was talking about a brother. Just absolutely amazed. An article titled Handling Our Differences Redemptively, Not Destructively. Look, there, there can be differences of opinion on theological issues. Nobody denies that. Can there be separation over theological issues? Absolutely there can be. But as we work through these issues, it still should be on an eye toward redemption. We want this to get better. We want their thinking to improve. We want them to be believing rightlier. That's right, rightlier. It's a word now. That's our desire, and it should drive, then, how we engage on these issues. From the article in Galatia, the debate over the relationship between God's law and God's grace got so intense, Paul had to warn the believers there about how their biting and devouring one another could lead to relational destruction among the churches in Galatia. Biting and devouring Now, this is the local church. This is the first century. I always think about the people who think, we just want to return to the first century church. Well, um, I think you've maybe got a little bit of a fantastic view of what it was actually like. was just reading this in my 78 hours of private quiet time the other night. I don't know how I got myself in the book of Acts, chapter 6. 
Remember in Acts chapter 2, we see a picture of the, of the local church, the early church, thriving, getting along with one another, sharing their stuff with one another, breaking bread with one another. By the time you get to Galatia, you've, you've got people who are, are biting and devouring what do we see in Corinth? You've got some people, we've got sectarianism, we've got little click land, and you've got some people who are doing communion or eating together without waiting for everybody else. Lovely. That's the first century church. So Acts chapter two, it lays out about verses 42, 43, the means of growth and how the early church behaved. And they were all getting along and it was all super groovy. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread. They were eating together, prayers, and fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and good, divided them up as anyone had need. That's not socialism. That's, that's called compassion, generosity, sharing voluntarily. Continually, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now, chapter three, you know the story. A lame man is healed, preaching in Solomon's portico. Peter and John are arrested in chapter four. So we're not seeing a lot of time advancing. We're spending a lot of time studying what was going on in a particular event with the disciples, healing people and being shut down. Hey, this is poignant and being shut down by the authorities. This is the section of scripture where we are given permission that there are those times and instances when we have to respectfully say to the government, no can do. We obey God, not man. And so that's Acts chapter four, prayer for boldness, sharing all things. Okay, there's chapter four. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. That's chapter four, verse 32. Verse chapter five, lying to the Holy Spirit. You've got Ananias and Sapphira continuing power in the church. Verse 12, the imprisoned apostles, they're freed. They're on trial again. Gamaliel's advice. Then we get to chapter six, which please note it. It's this is not a long separation. This is the story of Stephen. And this is the story of the early church and a disruption that took place. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So this is inside of the church. The Jewish believers were not behaving well toward the foreigners who were believers because their widows were neglected in their daily distribution. Boom! It is immediate in the early church. When people think about the early church, whether they're thinking about Philippi or Ephesus, no, this is like the earliest early church right there in Jerusalem. And what's happening immediately? Fighting. We should learn from that. There's a propensity to be brawlers, which is, which is really why those types of people are admonished. It's a great biblical word, factious. Where, 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 you're, where you're not Ephesians fouring, you, you are not walking in the manner worthy in which you are called with all gentleness, humility, patience, showing tolerance with one another. For what purpose to not break the bond of peace that is in the spirit? 
And so the early church immediately was violating that, fighting, arguing. Now we look back and it's like, oh, those silly people. Well, we don't want we don't want to do an impression of them today. Now, again, there are times when division is indeed necessary, but we shouldn't be biting and devouring one another. Back to the article. The inference seems to be that both legalists and grace defenders joined in the verbal teardown. And we can be just as self-righteous about the gospel of grace as we can the non-gospel of legalism. In other words, we don't always speak truth in love. And we're acting no better than the the Jewish believers in Acts chapter 6, the squabblers in 1 Corinthians, the dividers, the click people, or the people in Galatia. From the article, in the heat of a disagreement, sometimes our commitment to be right can undercut our calling to be kind. Paul reminds us that only God can reveal the truth of his word to the hearts of others. None of us is the fourth member of the Trinity. Boy, that's a good reminder, isn't it? We, we do tear down strongholds because we speak truth, but it's God that's got to do that work, isn't it? Isn't God the one who changes our thinking and grows us when we work synergistically with him? And so we don't get the job done when we speak truth to somebody. It's got to be God who does that. There's a lot of rest in that. I don't mind telling you. There's a lot of, okay, I don't have to be persuading everybody. You don't have to do it. You can't do it anyway. All you can do is be faithful. This is one of the bells that continues to get rung in our new TV series called Transformed. It is going to be amazing. I'm telling you, it's in the final rounds of editing right now. It's being presented to networks as we speak, and it'll start airing April 1st. We will have it available then, too, with a study guide so you can use it inside of your Sunday school, your youth group classes to see how the Bible applies to emotional issues, sin issues, conflict issues. It's, it's, it's amazing. And one of the repeated phrases that Dr. Greg Gifford from the Masters University uses regularly is, you can't run the universe, I'm paraphrasing. God does. You can't control your children. You can't control people at church, your work, neighbors, any of it. You're not called to that job. That's God's. You're called to be faithful. Ah, and then you can leave the results to God because God is good. He is able. He is faithful and he is sovereign. So he's controlling everything. All we do as a Christian is act in a faithful manner to the job that he has given to us. Ah, isn't that a relief? So whatever it is that you're battling or whatever it is that you're wrestling with, you, you want to fix something or someone, good luck with that. Nope, just be faithful. Leave the results to God, knowing that his results are plan A. Whatever. Wait a second, though. They made the wrong decision and got in trouble. Yep, that was God's plan because he uses sin sinlessly because he's controlling and ordaining everything on his sovereign determination. We can rest in that, can't we? And perhaps when we engage with others in a disagreement, important issues, certainly, let's remember, 
I can't persuade anybody. I just need to be faithful. And faithfulness means absolutely speaking truth, but speaking it in love. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.